Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as per usual. Do I do? Do I need to change my opening spiel? Because I've I've listened back to a few episodes recently, and it's been like this, Rob, for as long as I remember now. Let us know, let us know, listeners. Should I should I jazz it up a bit? I think you should. I think you should definitely. Like it's one of these things, isn't it? I think you know when you listen to a podcast, you do get used to that opening gambit of whoever's on it, and that becomes comforting. But yeah, mm. let's jazz it up every now and then. You know, like it's like we tell everyone our socials, don't we? Like if you've been watching the show for like 300 episodes, you probably know that I'm at underscore Rob underscore B. You know, we decided, didn't we remember that executive decision to take our names off the screens? <laughs> if he wants to go where yeah. you're like, I'm taking yeah. them off. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe every week we'll, we'll, we'll start a little bit differently, Scott. But let's see what our audience thinks. I don't think we're at 200... Uh, don't, I don't think we're at 300 episodes yet, but I did check it the other day, and I think we're past 250. Uh, I was hoping, yeah, I was. uh, I missed it. I think we just passed it by a couple of episodes. How many episodes we done? Let's see. I don't think it tells me at the moment. 220. We just passed 200. This is our 221st episode today. That's been. Good. Do you remember the meeting time. when we first started it and had a meeting about what we wanted to do and all of that? That feels like. What do you think that was? Like, have we have we stuck to that? Um, I think so. Not shouty, shouty, is it? Don't get too high, don't get too low was always the mantra, and I think we did we have a do... comment the other day saying you should change the change your show to that. Actually. <laughs> Really? Well, I I saw a comment the other day as well when I was looking at uh, like traffic figures and stuff through Apple and there was a comment saying, oh, th- these two guys, they're, they're too emotional. They're too emotional in their analysis. They get they get too upset. I want it to be more more calm. And I thought, are they taking the mic there? I don't know. Is that, are they actually, you know, we don't shout. Are we, are we, we too emotional? Stop. Please, please comment. Yeah. Are we too emotional? But, you know, um, we We've just done two minutes on that, though, so there you go. I'm so emotional, Rob. I'm going to cry <laughs> if United don't sign a striker. That's what we're going to talk about today. That's Will the United show. sign a striker? The transfer deadline is, I believe, next Thursday. So we have six days as we record this left for United to do some business. Anthony Martial has just had surgery, so he's out for ten up to 10 weeks. Mm. And when you say 10 weeks, that's going to mean longer. Do you think he'll ever play for Man United again? Probably not. Probably not. I, I, I think with Martial, there was a feeling from Ten Hag, I think, last year that if we can get him fit, that he could be a good piece for us and he can score me goals and he's a little bit different. But when we say a little bit different, Scott, I think also it means that he's a little bit injured all the time. So eventually you have to get away from those players and it isn't a personal thing. Like I know Marshall gets a, a ton of flack on social media and everywhere else. But I think when you look at him and and what he is, it doesn't matter if he scores goals or not. He's just not available enough. So I think this this operation now is almost like a, an admission from United to just say, right, go get yourself fit, your contract's ending and we'll have a hug, wave goodbye and that will be the end of your time at Manchester United. Yeah, <clears throat> I made a point the other day. He's been now ill for about three weeks, five mm. five weeks even. And obviously it's just been announced this week that he's had surgery. So my question was with with an issue that's been repetitive as well. I think his agent said that he's had a he's had an issue yeah. which has needed to be fixed for a while. Mm. You're gonna we're gonna talk about whether United need a striker. I mean, he could have fixed this problem if he just did the surgery earlier <laughs> you know maybe could have helped but maybe maybe this is a sign that let's just get him fixed up and get his 250k a week off the off the 
the wage bill. Maybe that's it. And, and I don't blame the player at all because I think I said it last week that quite often players are convinced by the staff, by the managers and the coaches to just try and be available if you can. I think that's what's happened with Martial. It's been like if we can get 20 minutes out of him, then like that's not let's not get him under the knife. You know, we need him for the next six months. And that isn't fake. You know, that's real. United do need strikers and need players who can score goals. I think the issue, Scott, is that now you're you're coming to the end of his contract and he knows very much that he's not playing for contracts anymore. Like, that's the difference. He knows United want to move on. That he's is difficult. For elsewhere, though. Well, this is it, but it's a little bit like when uh, when he went to Sevilla, wasn't it, and had that period there and it was a really flat period for him. Is that it's difficult with motivation like are you motivated to play for that contract or are you just happy to sit on the sidelines i think with martial it's a little bit of both he would rather play but he has had all these physical injuries over a long period of time this isn't a brand new one this is something that he's dealt with for a long time so i think united wanted to keep him available as a backup to rasmus hoyland but i think that ship has sailed now you're you're it's rasmus or rashford and that's about it like you know, Hugel's gone, isn't he, out the door, he's on loan. So you, you have actually kind of cut that away, haven't you? You've actually let players go that maybe you'd be able to change the positions for, to be able to do, to be able to keep you going. But United have decided to go this route. And I think with Martial, it's over. I think that'll be the end of it. And they're happy to see him go. Yes, today's show will be about what do United do now with six days left of the transfer window. There's been some developments over the week, some reports mm. of uh, Ineos's control being greater than sporting control. Yes. And uh, hey, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. There's been some talk from Pat Guardiola about Omar Barada. Uh, we will hear from Eric Ten Hag today, as we record this. Probably by the time you listen to this, Eric Ten Hag has already spoken. Uh, that's just an issue we always run into with uh, <laughs> recording on a Friday morning, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, today's show, Do United Need a Striker? What will they do? Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods. Apple and Spotify. You can find us for audio and uh, on YouTube, the Promise Land of Manchester United podcast. Like the video, leave a comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. And as Rob said, social media at underscore Rob underscore B on X and YouTube at TPL MUFC for the show and at double underscore Scott Saunders on XIG and TikTok. Right. Okay. Which striker should United sign, Rob? Should we get into the big name to start with? What, Callum Wilson? Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke. Brian Brobby. Brian Brobby. <laughs> Brian Brobby. Uh, no, let's do let's do uh let's do Karim Benzema, shall we? Let's do Karim now, Benzema. In Saudi Arabia, although like the players that moved to Saudi in the summer, there seems to be nothing not everything seems to be a okay. Jordan Henderson has left. I saw the other day that Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, who left Lazio to go there in the summer, saw his old teammates and said, oh, I want to come back. Mm. Uh, there's been suggestions that Benzema wants to go as well. And Man United have been linked. But Rob, there's so much change behind the scenes. And we're talking about planning and doing things differently. Stop making the same mistakes. One more time for all time's sake. Karen Benzema. Uh, again, it's difficult. You know, people can see us on YouTube, so you'll be able to look at my face when I made that big sigh there. Um, the answer to that, Scott, one hundred percent is no, 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 no. Why? Because Man United have made this mistake over and over again. Do you know what, Scott? Man United fans have fallen into this trap for ten years. We've done loads of content about how you need to get away from veterans, get away from older players, get away from big wages. And yet this week has been, it's been quite, not startling, that's the wrong word, but interesting that Man United fans, have this groundswell, that they want to see Karen Benzema at Old Trafford playing for Manchester United. And I did a tweet um, a few days ago, which where I just put it on the table and just went, I don't want him. I don't want players like this. I'm done with it. I've seen enough. It doesn't mean I don't respect Karen Benzema. I think he's a, been a great player, Ballon d'Or winner. You know, one of Fergie's favourites. We spoke about that before. Fergie loved him as a as a player. And at 36, I'm sure he could still score goals. But to introduce a player to the Premier League, the physically hardest league in the world, 
from Saudi Arabia, where he's been for a little while, and expect him to be able to get you to another level, the level that you've been missing all season long, I think it's a bit of a joke. It's a complete joke. You know, his wages are astronomical. Um, I think, as you explained as well, we're talking off camera about that this could not be a loan. It's not something that's on the table. They're looking for a permanent deal, cancellation of his deal in Saudi to be able to have a permanent contract. What would you do? Give him a year, two years at United at 36? Pay him how much, Scott? Uh, it's just so mind-numbing. So, yeah, Karen Benzema would score goals. Yeah, he'd sell you shirts, but he is totally a Glazonomics signing. And if you want to do that, United fans, great. There's a lot of you out there who do. But I think there's also quite a few of you who understand that it would be a very bad progressive signing. Uh, just to develop on Rob's point there about the realities of this. For one, he has already said, that, and I'm quoting somebody told keep it's completely false. The French media don't know what to invent anymore. The bigger, the better. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen. Like it's, it's not yeah. going to happen. And even if it did, as you've seen with Henderson going to Ajax, his contract was his contract was cancelled. Right? This is not mm. going to be a loan. Like, so you think Saudi Arabia are going to pay him all that money? United can't pay him any more than well. They, they're trying to trim their wage bill. I know they need a striker. Really, they 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 probably do. You could argue that they do because Rashford isn't a striker, and Hoyland's twenty twenty one. And it's a lot of pressure to put on him. Um, but for the, you can't do a six month loan on Karen Benzema because he's earning too much money out there. United are not going to be able to fund, to actually fulfill the entire wage that he's earning out there. So that's going to mean Saudi Arabia will need to pay a big chunk of it. Do you really think Saudi Arabia are going to pay a big chunk of his wage bill to see him go to the Premier League? No, I, I don't think so. You have to terminate his contracts. Then is he going to take a six month deal? With United, no, he's 34, 35. He's going to look for something longer. I think if he's going to go anywhere, Leon, I reckon, yes. is, the, is the one is the one for me because that makes, with how badly Leon are doing, I think that makes the most sense. That's where he, that's where he grew up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes sense that he goes back there. An adventure in the Premier League, as fanciful as it is, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, all linked. They could argue that they all need a striker, but this one in reality is just not a thing. It's not a thing. And like you just said about Leon, that that is the I think the obvious destination. Because if he cancels his contract and he can go to Leon on a reduced wage, it can be a kind of labor of love signing. He can go there and say, you know, I've come back to help my former club and end my career here. And then you come to Manchester United and you think about the circus that we experience all the time. It's not that he wouldn't be able to handle the pressure. Of course, he'd be able to handle the pressure. But you're in exactly the same place where you were with Cristiano. Now, it's a, I think it's quite interesting, Scott, isn't it? That when we saw these players all go to Saudi and go there with this concerted effort by the Saudi government to build this league, to be a competitor, that how quickly within this six-month period, all these agents are on their phones trying to get their clients back to Europe. It's really interesting. Now, I'm not going to speculate any more than that. I think you can kind of come to your own surmisings after all of that and think, well, why, why is that like it is as it is? These players want to come back to Europe, not not because the money's not in Saudi, but because of because of how they, they're viewing this league now. And I think Jordan Henderson, really interesting, isn't it? The guy went out there and almost didn't know why he went out there. When, you, when he was asked, he was like, well, yeah, I'm going out there because like it's a, it's a nice project. A few months later, get me out of here. So, I don't, again, I would rather United just avoided all of that. Like, I don't want to get into the, the Karen Benzema story, let's be honest. I don't want to get into his past, his present, or his future. He, he, a great footballer over time. Let him go back to Leon, have his career retirement. The only player it seems to be happy out in Saudi is Cristiano, and that's because he's scoring goals and getting assists and, and padding his stats to an even higher level. That's it. You know, Cristiano can't do it in Europe anymore. That's why he's there earning that money. Benzema, I think, could do a job in one of the major leagues. Absolutely. I just don't want him at United. I just don't want to have to deal with it. Even if he got United fourth, then okay. But can you imagine the money, the deal that you'd have to give him to get him to the Premier League? It would be astronomical. Yeah, you're completely right. I mean, if it, if we've learned anything recently with the investment and the decisions that United are making upstairs, 
Yeah. And there will be more to come. And with Everton's deduction and the extra charges on Everton and Forest, profit and sustainability rules are very, very, very real for most Premier League clubs. Yeah. Uh, and United do not want to get bitten by a points deduction. You know, I'm not saying that would happen, but these rulings are causing all clubs really yeah. to really think about. I think the just the, if you're unfamiliar with this, right? So <clears throat> teams, all teams in the Premier League cannot afford to make a loss any greater than 105 million pounds over the course of a three year period. If you go over that, which is the case with uh, Everton and Forest, if you go over that, you're susceptible to getting points deductions or um, fines or or whatever. And United's finances, given how they've spent loads of money and not been very good sellers for a long time, United are one of the clubs, unfortunately, that tow this line. I think they're just trying to be very careful. And I think mm. the situation is reversible. But the the thing is, this is a, a three-year period which rolls on. So when we move into next season, the... How do I say this? The third uh, least recent season drops off. So then you're judging the second year, the third year, and the new year. Uh, and that 105 million loss cannot happen. And what United are having to do is tread very carefully, as we mentioned, their wage bill is so bloated. Hmm. They've spent 85 million on Anthony when they could have got him for 50 if they mm -hmm. really wanted him just a few months before. They spent 60-odd on Casemiro and gave him wages that no other club in their right mind would give him. So they're having to undo and reverse all of these problems. And the way that you can help get around it is by selling players that, well, by selling players to, you know, raise your, raise your bottom line in a sense. But United can't sell Harry Maguire because they pay yeah. him too much money. Yes. So they have to opt to sell Alvaro Fernandez, or mm. and they've gone out alone. By the way, they're not they're not signed permanently. Alvaro Fernandez, Hannibal Medjbury, these other players. Uh, when you see Anthony Alanga going for fifteen million quid or whatever it was, that's the reason why Chelsea do it as as criticised as Chelsea have been. They're on. They're probably a great example of this. And Man City as well. They sold James Trafford to Burnley for twenty million quid. He was a mm -hmm. You know, a, a young goalkeeper, good tournament at the Euros, at Euro Under-21 tournament last year. But that's what a good run club does. You know, that will help them out so they can reinvest in the future and become self-sustainable. United are not in that position. So, Rob, sorry, I'm going on a bit. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No, look, when, when you're... Um running a football club. You know, I think we, we're going to see some of the dynamics here of, of what Ineos wants to do. And we'll speak a little bit about the uh, all-staff meeting that they had a couple of days ago. When you're setting up the football side of it, the reason why United are trimming some of these wages off the bill, like we just talked about Hannibal Medjubri and players like that, is that this is, this is all peanuts. But ultimately, when you add all those peanuts up, it means something when it comes to sustainability. And as you said, there you've only got to then have one or two or three big deals in the pipeline somewhere in the last two or three years that really crush that ethos. So, like Anthony is a really good example, but you know we've still not seen anything from Mason Mount. You know he's given the number seven shirt, he's injured. We expect him to come back. The expectations are really high for him, but he's already a, a, a well played player in your squad system that isn't giving you anything as it stands. So it goes back again, doesn't it? Smacks of bad transfer recruitment policy that is now impacting your bottom line and impacting your your sustainability. I think when you look at this, Scott, and, and where you're going forward, and this is why I think the Benzema conversation is so crazy, is that 
you can't just keep adding on 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 million on wages somewhere along the line every season. You can't do it. United have done that for years. That's part of Glazonomics, yeah? That's the real heart of Glazonomics. Big wage bill, buying players, selling shirts, winning nothing. We need to get away from that, don't we? And we know that 100% that Ineos know this. Ineos have come in and gone, this is not the way we can do this anymore. And that's also what makes the whole Benzema chat even more kind of crazy from United fans is that United fans have been begging for a different way for 10 years. And you're about to get it, but people are unhappy because they want stars and they want they want a name on their shirt. And it is a global kind of business. So I think, yeah, I think with the, with the wage structure there, Scott, it is, United are very, very much at the mercy of this because if you do make one or two bad deals even now that could be the difference in a year or two of losing significant points it really could Everton are a really good example United are not a million miles off that you know this is why I think I used the Bay and Deer example the other day of four million quid that is a player that you've brought to sat on your bench maybe played during AFCON and he's not played a minute now he might well get a game <laughs> in, the, in the next few days finally but all this business, it all has to add up. It has to add up. And this is why you need to have more faith in your kids to play them because they're on the lowest wages. And it's better to develop them than just go and buy inflated veterans. It's just that's the truth. And that's the balance that you have to have. Man City don't go out and make these big inflated signings, do they? They go and buy young. They buy healthy. They buy good players. And they do spend money on that. But they get the success for it. And that's the balancing point. I'm not going to come here and say Man City are great at their finances. That's a different conversation. But I think in comparison to Manchester United, United need to do it very, very differently. Man City picked up Julian Alvarez. They this week announced the signing of Claudio Echeverri from River. This is this is the win. This, this is where you need to look because these yeah. players are not like the 15 million quid and have talent that could... How much do you rate Julian Alvarez... Value wise, now if he was to be sold, he'd be you'd be looking at at least fifty million quid, surely. Oh God, oh, more than that, more Come than, I, more than that. I know, pushing yeah. to a hundred. Like I think he's a player that that is that not just in the marketplace likes, but think about what he's achieved already at his age. He's a he's a, he's a World Cup winner. He's won a treble. <laughs> like he's he's absolutely at the highest level elite, and they bought him for pennies. You know, you just mentioned that transfer there, Man City. Do you know who who negotiated that deal, Scott? Yes, I do. Do you, listener? Tell our audience. It's Man United's next CEO. Exactly. So he, he he negotiated that deal, and he was the one who pushed it all through for Man City. And that is the kind of signing that he will be looking towards in the market for Manchester United. And I'm down with that. I want that a million times more than I want a Benzema. <laughs> you know, and that's it. And we should all have had that wet fish slapped across our face when Cristiano came and went. So we should all be all right with that, I think, now. But I do understand that people, you know, still say you can't win with kids, et cetera, et cetera. It's the balance. That's more what I'm about. And that's what I want to see. So uh, I'm quite excited that I think the direction that United will head in now in the boardroom will, will facilitate those things. And it just means that you're probably going to have to have a little bit more pain this season to be able to move forward. Still begs the question, though, is Rasmus Hoyland, is there too much expectation on him, given he is the only really recognised central striker that United have at senior level, and he's mm. not even senior, really. He's a he's a young striker, but is getting senior minutes for one of the biggest clubs in the world, having scored nine goals for Atalanta last season. Like, I think there's encouragement there that I, I think really think there is a player to work with, but obviously to expect him to play every game. What if he gets injured? What do you do then? Mm. You know? So I'll bring in two other names, Rob. Callum Wilson. Thoughts? Um, Callum Wilson. So why is Callum Wilson on the market? Well, Newcastle are themselves under financial pressure and pain, and they are looking to to move wages. They're off one the of these field. clubs, PSR. Yeah. Profitability and sustainability. They are, And this is from a club who are effectively the richest club in the world. You know, in terms of their backers with PIF, who own 80% of Newcastle United, this shows that even when you have wealthy benefactors and, you know, a, a whole state nation behind you and literally almost a trillion worth of pounds, is that if you do not balance these books, that you need to move wages and players off your bills. So I think when you look at, at Callum Wilson, 
for six months or a year, you've had this kind of trade-off, haven't you, between Wilson and Isak. And everyone knows that Isak's going to be the starter and is the starter now, and he's the player that you're going to develop and take forward. That's why you bought him. And that Wilson was maybe supplementing the goals. Well, Callum Wilson's been injured, you know, on and off, and has found it difficult. He's now sat on the bench, now wants to wants to leave the club and is going to be shown the door. Is Manchester United a, a potential landing place for him? Again, Scott, just started the show on uh, Anthony Martial, didn't we? And the same problems we've talked about before with injuries. He's basically the same player. He's basically the same player. <laughs> basically the same player. More of a number nine, more of a finisher, more, I think, I think, wash ready to kind of drop in and score you goals. But you're not getting a loan. So again, you're not getting six months out of him. It's not happening. It's, it, would, it would have to be a transfer. You would have to pay him relatively well. You'd have to give him guarantees about the future as well. You wouldn't be able to just sign him for six months and say, well, we're going to bin you in the summer. He's not going to accept that, is he? So, again, as, as a link to United, every link kind of stinks, Scott. Because I've, I've got a fantastic idea, Rob. Go on. This is pure. There's nothing based in this, right? There is nobody has ever suggested this. This probably isn't going to happen. But as a Welshman, seeing United go to Newport this weekend, Kiefer Moore isn't getting football at Bournemouth, <laughs> and he's awkward. There you go, like you, you're looking for Vegels Mark II, you know, awkward strikers who can give you minutes. Uh, look, I do think that I think that when you look at the end of the transfer window in the last few days, there are going to be players that will come up on the loan market that cannot be transferred. And they're not going to be the highest echelons. But if you need someone to sit on the bench, you need to go and get someone who can just go and sit on your bench and just give you those veg horse minutes, as we called them before. And that isn't meaning that you, you desire a veg horse in your team or your squad, but that is where you are as a build. You have to go and look at it that way. And I want, like you, you said there about, about Hoyland, you know, has too much been put on his shoulders. We said too much was put on his shoulders the day he signed. The day he signed, we were like, the issue here is that this boy's probably going to have to start more than he should because Martial gets injured and Rashford isn't a nine. So who do we blame for that? Well, people blame Eric Ten Hag. But Eric Ten Hag has not said to Man United, don't get me another striker. That's not true. It's Arnold and Murto behind the scenes not having the football acumen up here to go, we might need coverage in those positions. They've just kind of gone with it. And that's why you are where you are. That's why you've got Ineos now. That's why you've got Jim Ratcliffe. So many United fans still don't want Jim Ratcliffe. The reason why you've got him is because of how bad United have been for 10 years doing all of these things. So you've got a new CEO coming in who's on gardening leave for six months. Forget that. He's not gardening leave. He's doing the job behind the scenes. This always happens in every big business I've ever been involved in is that you're on gardening leave, but you still do the job. Like you just keep your head below the parapet and don't talk and don't be seen. And you do all that. And that's why you go on gardening leave because your employer doesn't want you to be able to, you know. I like to imagine that, that you actually just do gardening. Uh, that, that, that joke's gone around before. I've said it before. Never, when, never, when never had gardening leave myself, but I, I like to imagine that is. That's, that's I, I like a bit of gardening. I like so, a bit the, of gardening. The, the weather's warming. It's, it's getting warmer. I know we're having storms, but, you know, spring, is, spring is upon us nearly. That's it. One of the catchphrases, one of the best time to ever have gardening leave is in the summer. Oh, amazing. What You know, it almost feels like Omar has has planned that beautifully. He's going to get a nice few months off now while, while he can tend his garden and and also be on the phone quite a bit to Manchester United to tell them what, what he expects and what he what they should all be doing. He just won't be officially sat in a boardroom somewhere. Um, but uh, but I'm I'm happy that we've now we are starting to tread that path, Scott, as I said, and obviously with the with the meeting that was held uh by Patrick Stewart. I always have to do the Star Trek sign when we talk about Patrick Stewart. You know, he informed obviously all the staff that the truth is is that even though the Glazers are still there, of course. Is that Manchester United are effectively being run by Ineos? I think that's kind of what <laughs> what we were, what we've been told, and we knew that before. But it's good to hear that that's now been confirmed to all of the staff because I think that's important because you've got to be on point with your message. And we know that Jim Ratcliffe wants this. You know, like he can control the football matters, but you know, a lot of United fans have pointed out to us and gone, "But how does that work? You know, how do you, do you have to ring up Joel Glazer and ask him if you can sign a player? No, that's not how it's going to work." the board will be the board, the PLC will be the PLC, and it will have a ton of Ineos influence on all of that. So it, I think Ineos feel pretty comfortable and happy 
with what they're paying there. What's it, 1.3 billion for? Like, I think they know that their stake, their 25% stake, rising to 29%. That ultimately, Scott, this leads them a pathway to a full takeover somewhere down the line. Not soon, but somewhere Stagged. down the line. Remember when the Glazers were eking their way in? And every few months you get yes. an update of they've bought X amount more of a sh more shares. And eventually it got yep. to a point where they had to trigger a full takeover. I can't exactly. remember what point that was. That 49% Rob? I can't I can't remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was 49. Uh, the whole thing with, with, with that is with the marketplace United being a kind of publicly listed company and stuff at the time. It's trying to, it's again, it's it's having that balance in the boardroom of who does what and having these agreements in place. And I think the whole thing is with, with Ineos and with Jim Ratcliffe is that he's decided to take the, the position that to work with the Glazers for now to find a route towards what he wants. And as I said in previous shows, Jim Ratcliffe gets what he wants. That's that's what happens with billionaires. So I think the whole thing is that the Glazers want to be hands-off. The Glazers definitely want to put more of their own personal money and finances and everything into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They they want to do more of their NFL franchise. They've also got an IPL franchise that people don't talk about. You know, they've got they've got loads of other things outside of Manchester United where where they're focused on kind of building those markets. Um they're not focused on transfers at Man United. We know this, but that's good. We want them now to go away. And we don't want them pushing for Benzema. We don't want them saying, well, Benzema will, will sell us a load of shirts and all that. Well, it doesn't really matter. You've already got your deal with Adidas, haven't you? And you don't have to sell any more shirts. Adidas are going to pay you no matter what, even if you don't sell one shirt. So all of those things don't really matter. And now you've got, I think, at least a structure in place where you can go to South America, Scott, and you could go find your Julian Alvarez's. And that is going to make you a much better football club in the weeks and months ahead. And next season, it will be a very, very different remit, I think, from the board towards whoever the manager is. There's uh, yeah, there's plenty more of them where that came from. Something I noticed this week, Robin, I, I, nobody, I could just be making this up. And I was just making up the Kiefer Moore thing, by the way, but I'm going to tweet it after this show and try and bring it into existence because I think it'd be a right pain in the ass for people to, opposition to have to contend with if United do decide to just lump the ball up to him. Uh, there was a, there's a player called uh, Simone Perfundi who's about 17. I think he's been a cap once by Italy, mm. right? From, I think he's at Udinese. Has just joined Lausanne on loan with an option to buy one of the most talented young players in Italy. And there's yep. no connections there, but I just thought that triggered something. I thought, hold on a minute. Are we starting <laughs> to see the multi trail, system. the multi-club system come into play? I don't think anybody's really flagged it at the moment. No. Could be nothing, could be nothing. But, <clears throat> you know, that is the kind of thing that Man City have done. You look at Girona, right? <laughs> Amazing, yeah. You know, they're, they're all part of the same group. As fairy tale a story as it is, you know. Uh... Imagine if Girona <laughs> went and won the league, right, in Spain. Imagine mm. they won the league and uh, and obviously the, the ructions that would cause. Imagine how how much the, man, the, the city group would be laughing on the other side of their faces because <laughs> they're like, look, this is our multi-club system. This is how we're going to develop all our players. And you just come and look, we've just gone and won the league in, in Spain. I don't think that will happen. But, but, but Rob, but Rob. You can't have two teams in the Champions League at the same time, owned by the same party. Remember when? Remember all that? Oh, if Nice come ahead of United, they they can't both play in the Champions League together. Where's that story now? Girona are top of the interest. Liverpool, Liverpool are top of the Liverpool are top of the Premier League. As it mm. stands, Man City can't get in the Champions League because Girona are finishing higher in the league. And City and will the, want Girona in the Champions League, not Man City. They'll probably just take a, a, a year out and go, it's okay, let's let, let Girona have a go this year. Look, I think this is the whole thing about rules and regulations, isn't it? It's that there are plenty of ways to get around all of these things at the end of the day. And the clubs are do see themselves as all-powerful anyway against kind of football administration. But I, I think also, Scott, that with the multi-club system, it's just the way it has to be. It's the way it has to go. Like Red Bull, well, like this across all their sports, we've talked about them before. And this is kind of how Ineos view themselves as well. But the City Group do it, and they're not the only club that do it. Plenty of clubs have what you would call feeder clubs all around the world under their one moniker. And that's how you develop your squads and do it in a kind of holistic manner. You don't just go out and buy, 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 buy all the time and waste the money and then, then kind of fail. It's what United have done. 
I think people have always been shocked that United haven't gone down that route of a multi-club system because the Glazers could have done that. It's just that the Glazers have got so many other interests outside of soccer that, that they didn't really want to do that with Man United. But I think this is what exactly what Ineos will do now. And United will be the top of the pyramid for their for their projects, while all these other clubs, like you just talked about Lausanne, this is how you develop your players. Now you could kind of say, well, do you know what? Hannibal Medgebury. Well, we won't just let you go somewhere. You're just going to go to one of our teams. And United used to do that with Royal Antwerp. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I remember, I do. Yeah. So Royal Antwerp were, were very were heavily linked with United. And we used to send everyone there because that was like our feeder club. We'd help Antwerp and Antwerp would give our players minutes. And it worked beautifully. So I, I think that will be the Ineos structure now going forward. And I'm, I'm all for it because it works with other football teams. <clears throat> right. So I did just want to bring up one other striker. Brian Brobby's name keeps coming up. And we're talking, Rob, about um, a new CEO and John Murter and all Mm. of that. I mean, Eric Ten Hag has got his way in work with Brian Brobby before. He tried to sign him in the summer, actually. Mm -hmm. He signed Lisandro Martinez and I like, I love Leecher, by the way, but uh, Anthony and other players who've played for Ajax or played under him previously. This mm-hmm. is very much a. <clears throat> I don't doubt Eric Ten Hag wants Brian Brobby. Uh, you seeing his name float around a bit. For me, I mean, how long do we have? How long is Ten Hag going to be able to have this? I'm not saying he's got the power now because I don't think it'll happen. But how long is this going to last? Because I think in the summer, once a sporting director comes in. It's going to have to be an uncomfortable conversation that the manager is not getting the players that he wants anymore unless uh, a committee agrees that that's the right player. I think we're already there, Scott. I don't, I don't think Eric Ten Hag's under any illusions that he doesn't call those shots anymore. Like He's not the director of football stroke coach anymore. That is not his job. He's the coach. And, and, and you know, Ten Hag's had you know, deep conversations with Jim Ratcliffe already about structure. And that he's kind of seems all right with it. You know, you just said that he wants Brian Brobby. I don't think he wants Brian Brobby. I think he wants a striker. I think he wants to be able to look at his positions and go, I've got coverage across the board. Uh, he's actually a really good diplomat, isn't he? In the sense that whenever he talks about it publicly, he always goes, oh, you know, I believe in my squad. I've got players here. Well, you know, no, it's kind of like only half-truths at the end of the day. He will happily play Rashford as the nine, but he knows that Rashford isn't really the optimal choice as a nine. And then, of course, if you move Rashford from the left, then you've, you're then having to reshuffle the whole team, aren't you, to to put players out of their optimal positions just because, you know, we've talked about Kobe Manu a lot, haven't we? And Kobe's playing the six. We'd all like to see him play the eight. But as soon as you move into the eight, then you have to think, well, what do I do in the six? And to the manager, the manager thinks the best decision at the moment is to play Kobe there. So all of these things come into play. Brian Brobby, no. I don't, I don't really even think that Tenog really wants him. Like he rates him and has rated him in the past, but it's a little, it's a little bit like a Malassia signing. You know, it's like you go get Malassia and he helps your numbers, but does he really help you? Does he really push the needle in any way, shape, or form? Brian Brobby would be sitting on the bench every week with Bay and Deer watching the team, and you might have paid some money for him, but he might come cheap. Scott, your guy there, your Welshman at Bournemouth might actually be where you go. And I think there I can't are believe loads... you're agreeing with me. No, look, there are there, there are players, <laughs> there are players in the league and across Europe and across the world that you could go get on loan for that period of time. And I know I said here like, go for young players and not veterans, but there are veterans that, that are looking for a six-month stint who might be able to help you and sit on your bench, not Karen Benzema. But there are loads of players out there, and there will be Premier League ready players as well who who are going to come in and not tread on Hoyland's toes, not going to come in and completely destroy his development. I think the other thing we have to talk about, Scott, not right today, but I think we will be, is that will Eric Hag be your manager in six months' time? You know, at the end of this loan spell, you know, is it going to be a case that Ineos will want to bring in their own coach? Because I th- it's going to be dependent on what we see in the next few weeks. I really do think that. I think he's kind of auditioning for his job again. You know, that's where we are. Um, you've got to give him a chance. You know, you've got to give him a chance with the, with the squad that he's got and maybe give him one or two loan signings. But that's it. There's not going to be a lot of action. And we've seen that across the Premier League, haven't we? Is that in this window, there's been much less activity because of all of the financial issues that are going on behind the scenes at every football club. 
Uh, even I'd extend that, and I said this yesterday on another show. I'd extend that beyond Ten Hag. I think every player, or every mm. every person, has a point to prove now. Manager, Definitely. coaches, this six months or five months has got to go better than the first half of the season went. United have to show improvement. Ten Hag has to show that he's imprinting a style of play on this team that isn't uh, whatever we've seen previously. It needs to mm-hmm. be more distinctive. It needs to be, he needs to provide hope that things can improve and get better. And I think he might have a chance of staying on, regardless of where they finish. Really. I, don't, I don't think if they finish fifth or sixth, but they do show signs of improvement. Maybe they make the change anyway. Maybe they're going to do it anyway. Uh, who knows? But to Ten Hag is probably going to end up leaving if they repeat the first half of the season this this season. It, it, it's very Van Gaal, Scott. It's very Van Gaal in the sense that winning is important and we want to win. And of course, that's where we are. And I think we look at Van Gaal at the end of his spell after two years, obviously he won the FA Cup and United were getting to that place where, where they were winning more regularly than not. You know, they were getting there. I think the problem is, Scott, is the style of play. Is that, again, if you're a billionaire, Jim Ratcliffe, you're sat in the stands, what do you want, Scott? You want to be entertained, don't you? You want to watch what you're watching and thinking, oh, I see where my billions are going to go here. I mean, as a problem for Ten Hag is that style of football isn't quite there and that he could actually get United fourth and still get sacked. Yeah, um, he, Rob, he, I'm, I'm just going to have to interrupt you. I don't know if you've, uh, you have seen my face as you're talking. Oh, what's happened? Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. No, I don't know why. Really? How's that come about? What's it say? <sighs> wow! Breaking news on the promised land here. We we need to discuss this now. <sighs> Speak, Scott. Dead air. I I have I have no. I mean, I have no <laughs> no idea. You can't Sorry, break everyone. the news and then not tell tell us what the news is. You know, you, like my you phone's on silent. leaving, and I, I cannot, With I cannot give you a reason why. I don't know. He's running out of energy. Is that what it is? Jür- Jürgen Klopp is leaving. What was that running out of energy co- comment? <laughs> right. That... Go on. What have you got? Sorry. I mean, sorry, guys. I mean, this is, we are recording this. I'll, this I'll is keep live. This. I'll, I'll keep this. I know we're pre-recording, but um, I know we're pre-recording this. And rolling. there's a lot of dead energy, but you are getting us reacting live to Jurgen Klopp deciding to leave Liverpool. I'm seeing it. I can't play this because I'm just watching a video of it on silent on Liverpool's transfer feed or Liverpool's Twitter feed. He is... Uh, how can I say this? I'm running out of energy. So Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. Is that a quote, not you running out of energy? That is... That is, uh, well, I'm running out of energy. I don't know what I'm talking about, Rob. <laughs> uh, end of the season. End of the end season, of the Jurgen season. Klopp is leaving Liverpool. Okay, do you know what? I'll, I'll do some chatting over that then. I'm not actually 100% surprised about that. So um, there was a thing with Klopp not so long ago about direction of the football club and that he he did feel that eventually maybe his time was coming to an end at Liverpool and that there were other challenges for out, out there for him to go and have a little bit of a break. It's not too dissimilar to Dortmund. Do you remember at the start of the season, Scott, before we saw Liverpool winning games and being top of the league, one of the things we did on our show, we spoke about Liverpool, was that I did say that I felt that that there was a mirror here between his Dortmund time and with Liverpool, not in the, the sense of quality of football, but how far the project had gone and where you had to go next to do it. And, you know, was it time for Klopp to step away from Liverpool and Liverpool to step away from Klopp? I'm not, I'm shocked, obviously. That's just broke, obviously, as we're doing our show and that's a, a big piece of Premier League news. At the same time, I'm not surprised because I do think that he's taken that Liverpool project as far as it can go, especially under that ownership. That ownership has different ideas of what he want, what they want to do now uh, with FFG, what they want to do with the football club. And I can see Jurgen Klopp ending up, not now, but maybe in a year, at a very significant football club, potentially in Germany. Potentially, or even Germany themselves. Germany themselves was one option, but I, I do think that somewhere down the line that Bayern Munich is in his future. Uh, that, right. uh, that, that 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 is that that comes from credible chats with people who know. So I think that somewhere down the line, I think he will. I think Bayern Munich are like to announce it now. Scott is interesting. 
because don't have to announce it now, do they? Yeah, is that come officially through Liverpool route? That is there? through officially Liverpool. There's a video of Jurgen Klopp saying it on Liverpool's Twitter feed. Right. So I find so... that interesting because they're in the middle of a title charge. Yeah, and that is going to destabilize the club massively from both the centre and from outside looking in. This now steals all the headlines. Like no one's going to be talking about Man United in Newport anymore, are they? <laughs> so Liverpool win 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 the the headline uh, battle for the day and for the weeks ahead. Um, now, of course, Liverpool will be looking this, towards looking. looking this for is a this is a Man United podcast, but sorry, we've uh, we, we've. But there been... are rivals. We have to talk about that. There are our nearest and dearest, aren't they, Liverpool? It does matter to Man United. These things are. It's the same when they talk about us and we talk about them, don't we? So, a huge piece of breaking news. As I said, shocking, not massively surprising, but I think the timing is very interesting because they don't have to do it now. And for some reason, they have. So obviously today, our phones will be going off and we'll be uh, digging into the story even deeper. I might even have to jump off this part. Sorry, everyone. This is We were going to talk about Newport and I was just going to try and manifest Kiefer Moore joining United a little bit more. Uh, <laughs> but I think this is one of the biggest stories we've seen in, in years and years. Many years. Uh, yeah. And good grief. Okay. So there we go. should we finish the pod and talk about Newport Rob or should we just say I don't think as much as like Newport have given provided us with some FA Cup cup sets in the past uh you know United have to get this job done don't they What well, like well, we just talked Yeah look, we just talked about Eric Ten Hag's tenure and how long he would last and what he needs to do well the first thing he needs to do is not lose to Newport that's really important. <laughs> Don't lose to Newport. And I actually think he'll, he'll go relatively strong. We've seen that now, haven't we? He's, he's playing his strongest team simply because of where United are this year. You cannot afford to lose these types of games. So there's not really low to talk about with the FA Cup, Scott, but it's it's the one competition maybe where if you keep it in your back pocket and keep going, you've got a chance of some silverware there, isn't it? And that is, that is important in the context of the season now with Ten Hag. But... You know, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe Eric Ten Hag's the next Liverpool manager. Well, imagine that. Maybe Scott looks shocked. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I mean, I thought it would, <laughs> I thought this would happen at some point, but I think yeah. all the suggestions were that it was going the other way and he might even sign a new deal. And I thought it was last summer. Yeah. Last summer, I really felt that Liverpool had got to an end of a, of a project moment. And I think he was having, getting offers and tabling stuff that could see him go to something more excited. You said that a Germany job is, is massive. Quite often managers don't want to do the international thing, but I do think that if he wants some leave clubs, there's only really maybe one or two or three clubs that he could leave Liverpool for anyway. And I do think that somewhere down the line, listen, Bayern Munich is in the future, but the timing is strange. Like now at the end, at the end of this January period, like, Wow. Well, I wonder why that's come out now. We'll, we'll learn a lot more, I think, in the next few hours. Right. Sorry, everyone, but this this is got. We've just gone a little bit off uh, reaction off, show. Should we call yeah, this, this the Jurgen Klopp reaction this show? This is a this is a Man United pod reacting to the news <laughs> that Jurgen Klopp has left Liverpool, and uh, I think I'm going to have to wrap it there, everyone, because I think my day has just got a little bit more dramatic because uh, of the day job. Um, but. We we did at least manifest Kiefer Moore to Man United, and uh, once everything dies down a little bit, uh... <laughs> Scott, Sorry, off everyone. top of your head, You're... next manager yeah. Liverpool, Chabby top Alonso. of your head without huh, Chabi Alonso. Do you know what? I think you're da- yeah, I'm with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Shabby Alonso. Ooh. Well, that's going to be a big debating point now in the next few months to see where they go with it. Be interesting to see what Liverpool's form uh, goes now, whether it actually strengthened by this kind of news. on Because it's going to be the long goodbye, isn't it? You know, it's going to be all love and Jürgen leaving, unless, of course, there's other stuff that, that comes to light in the next few days and weeks. But... Um, but, yeah, I think when then going for a title and being where they are in the league, it's maybe the good time to do it. Like being at the top of the league and not pushed out the door or seeing that, you know, you're the one jumping ship. Um, yeah. Mad stuff. Football's mad, isn't it? Football always... You always <laughs> say football doesn't surprise us and then something like that happens and you think, oh, football's got all, that ability. As, as that. a famous man once said, all eras come to an end. <gasps> this could be the start of something here. Could you imagine this? Is this the trigger point for Man United? Like when, when Fergie left... It gave Liverpool the energy. Pep hasn't got long left either. 
That's the next thing. Do you know what? There's no Pep's not staying at City forever, people. I'm telling you that now because it's the same scenario with with Klopp. Is that there are other things out there for these guys? They're still relatively young and they can go and do other things. And they've been at these clubs and faithful to these clubs for a really long time. So you know, all eras do come to an end. Can you imagine those three clubs all had new managers at start of next season? Very, very interesting. <clears throat> right, everyone. This has been a Man United podcast called The Promised Land, which is typically not overreactionary, but you did manage to get, and we'll leave this in, you did manage to get the <sighs> silence and shock and awe. If you watch us on YouTube, I found out live that that was happening on this podcast and we'll Me keep too. it in. And uh, that's that's the thing that's happening. And that's good news for United. It's, it's good news for Man United. The tide is turning. New CEO clops out the door. Guardiola next. Things change in football, don't they? Indeed, they do. That has been the Promised Land podcast for today, everyone. Thank you very much for sticking with us and listening. This went <laughs> from talking about do United need to sign a striker to Jurgen Klopp's leaving Liverpool and all eras come to an end and Man United are back. That's what this has gone to. Uh, subscribe. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. There you go. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Watch us on YouTube as well, the Promised Land and Man United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment as well. Pop the notification bell on so you never miss a show. And follow us on social media. I'll be doing Kiefer Moore manifestation and all eras come to an end at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at TPL MUFC. And uh, we'll be back to hopefully talk about Man United's safe passage into the next round of the FA Cup. But knowing Newport County, they can spring a surprise or two. Let's just avoid it and we'll be back to talk maybe more a bit more about strikers on, I believe, Monday. Rob, I think we'll be back Monday, if that's all right. Definitely Monday. Anyway, that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening. Apologies for the shock, but I'm guessing everybody's feeling the same. Until next time, this has been The Promised Land. See you soon. And thanks for watching and thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.